Welcome to Millennial Wisdom with Dr. Jennifer Wisdom. Millennial Wisdom is a listener's journey with powerful insights about your work and your life. Now, here's your host, consultant, coach, speaker, and best-selling author of the Millennials Guide series, Dr. Jennifer Wisdom. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Millennial Wisdom, where we talk with millennials about what's going on with them. I am so excited today to have with us Jerry Fu. He is the founder of Adapting Leaders, and he focuses on conflict resolution coaching for leaders. Thanks for being with us, Jerry. Hi, that's Jennifer. Good to have you. Absolutely. Super. So we always want to start with what was your path to get here? Tell us what do you do and what was your journey? Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, my original path was to become a physician, much like a lot of people in my family. And when I got to see in organic chemistry, uh, I said, I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the oversimplification. But I said, well, I still have a passion for healthcare. I still think this is a, a field I want to get into. So what else can I do? So I said, well, pharmacy sounds reasonable. Let me convince pharmacy school I would make a good pharmacist. So I did. And, uh, you know, finished pharmacy school. And this is where, you know, I had some conflict with my mom about what kind of career path uh, to have. And she was insistent that a chain pharmacy job was the best way to go. And even though mom has never worked a day in her life in pharmacy, moms know best. So therefore, I'm supposed to listen to mom. And mm-hmm. so um, at one point actually got, you know, was okay with the job because I, at one point I was at the store where we had flexible hours. I was able to take plenty of trips without using vacation time. You know, it was great. But once that went away, I realized, you know, I wasn't happy again. Uh, and once I had a really bad customer service incident where, you know, the patient blew up, you know, and I ran out of nice things to say, uh, you know, I just said, you know, I need to do something else, but I didn't work on my career at all. So what, what was left for me to pick from? Right. And so I had always had a heart for teaching uh, students. Like I was, I tutored in several different chapters of my life growing up and things. And so when I wanted to teach pharmacy students, uh, the only way I could get a teaching job was leveraging my connections. Um, and one opportunity that came was with a friend who worked for a pharmacy consulting company here in Houston. And she said, Hey, I got promoted. My previous teaching position is available. Do you want to apply for it? And I said, absolutely. And so I'm moving from Tennessee where I was living at the time, uh, to, oh, and I left a full-time job with benefits guys, which is, you know, death to you know, Asian parents <laughs> yes. and, and, to, and to take on this job with the teaching company. They have no idea, you know, what, who this is or anything else like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I take on this job and, you know, initially there's this great honeymoon phase, right? I'm teaching stuff. It's fun. And then the main task I was, I was, you know, expected to come through for them on was to draft a new uh, test bank, basically with like test questions. And at some point um, I hit writer's block and then I got scared. And then I basically convinced myself that as long as I told them that, uh, you know, the reasons why I didn't get the job done, that somehow that was okay. And it wasn't, (laughs) you learn quickly. Uh, you know, excuses uh, don't get the job done. They're not paying you to make excuses. They're paying you to get the job done. And so that was a lesson I did not appreciate at the time. And I thought as long as I could spin my way out of any situation, that would be all right. Mm-hmm. After 11 months, you can see where this is going, guys. <laughs> uh, I got fired. And um, that was a sobering moment. It was a necessary wake up call, but I did not appreciate it at the time. And, you know, I moved to Houston, right? I couldn't go back to my previous job because they already filled it with, you know, somebody else. And so I'm like, well, now what do I do? 
And so, you know, had to eat some humble pie looking for another job. Uh, ended up at a house of cards pharmacy job where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So not only am I jeopardizing my license, I'm not even getting paid for it. And oh again, conf conflict diverse, right? right? How do I confront a guy who's clearly ripping me off? And, right. you know, so this went on for nine months, which is, you know, nine months too long, really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, again, don't know how to, because the only way I could get paid or the only chance I had of getting paid is if I moved more scripts and dirtied my license some more with the hopes that he would actually, you know, feel guilty about, you know, not paying me. Um, left that job. Thankfully, my connections came through for me again, got me on with a more legitimate company, but they couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. So I went to Austin to get more hours working for them there. And uh, that summer was when I had the first chance to facilitate some leadership workshops through a pharmacy nonprofit. I knew these guys through our fraternity and they said, hey, we know you've been facilitating workshops on the fraternity side, but could you do one for the leadership side? Because one of our other people backed out and I said, absolutely. So teaching leadership kind of helped unlock some you know, mental changes and said, hey, you know what? Maybe I could actually be a good leader. And so when a manager position opened up in Houston a couple months later, I said, oh, you know, Austin's fun, had a great work team, but I'm ready to come home, ready to take on these leadership challenges. And so came back to Houston, proceeded to get written up the following year because my technicians were behaving badly and I was not writing them up or disciplining them or firing them. <laughs> no, it's my fault. They, like, you know, management's like, okay, they're a problem and your passivity is a problem. And so, you know, again, just eating more humble pie. And um, the only reason I get an interview with my next company after that company had their funding pulled right as I got out of my probation period was that I had leadership experience on my resume. And I said, right. wow, you know, leadership saved my career. And with that said, though, these jobs didn't last very long, right? It was just right. these smaller companies with higher quality of life. The business models weren't sustainable. And so I just got tired of, you know, chasing after scripts. I got tired of fighting insurance companies. And so I said, well, you know, I'm tired of doing this, but I love teaching these leadership workshops. Um, you know, what if I made a career out of facilitating and coaching the way I wish I had been coached? Uh, earlier in my life. And so that was the leadership side of things. And then, you know, you realize there's plenty of leadership coaches out there, right? And so when I was trying to niche down, I said, well, you know, on one hand, uh, I have a heart for Asian Americans like myself, because I know what kind of conflicts they were dealing with. And mm -hmm. also specifically to conflict resolution, because my biggest challenge as a leader was learning to have difficult conversations and disciplining people and even firing people. And, um, you know, whether you choose it or it chooses you, right? This is this right. is what we this is where we end up. So that is the path from pharmacy to leadership or conflict resolution coach. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I especially love that you take your own experiences where you didn't do what you needed to do and had consequences for that, which you yeah. know, most of us have a lot of those experiences too. Yeah. And turned it into something that can really help a lot of other people. That's impressive. Thanks. Yeah. So from your experience mm -hmm. and from what you learn from other people that you coach, why do so many people avoid conflict? It's just that, I mean, my personal uh, take from my own experiences or what I've observed from others, it's just comfort is the, when you, when you experience too much comfort, it's very hard to leave that, right? When you just kind of like you're incubating in this warm, nice environment, I don't want to do anything or go anywhere. Right. It's just, uh, I could, you know, take a trip to Europe, or I could just watch more Netflix, right? Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I had this mentality growing up, because, you know, in, in college, people would say, Oh, study abroad, go study abroad. I'm just like, why would you leave your friends? 
you know? And everyone's like, no, like <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime experience. You right. Know? Right. And, uh, you know, like things like that. Right. And so between the fact that people don't like being uncomfortable, they don't like it when they're face to face with someone who's upset with them over something. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I really don't want to have to, you know, admit that I did something wrong or I have to improve at something. I don't like to think, I don't like situations where I have to think less of myself. Right. Or to admit that I still need, I still need work or I still need them to improve myself or things like that. And so right. just there's uh, there's, it's understandable. You know, we want to hang out. Sure. To, oh, we're a good person. Like, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I'm not lazy. I'm not hurtful. And yet here are situations where, you know, clearly you have been either selfish or neglectful or, you know, some, you know, someone's expectations were broken and now you have to help fix them. So uh, in this day and age, when it's just easy to create distance pretty much at a moment's notice, right? Whether it's just hang up the phone or go to a different church or get divorced or, you know, anything else like that, you're just mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't have to resolve it because I, can, I have always someplace else I can run to. Right, right. Oh, that's so interesting. I, Tim Ferriss, the author and guy who's done a whole bunch of different stuff. He said that when success in life is directly attributable to the number of difficult conversations mm -hmm. you're willing to have. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. It's not like you want to, he's recommending you go looking for trouble because <laughs> trouble <laughs> kind of finds you anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but just kind of being willing to do the, that's challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know one year I, my um, resolution, my new year's resolution was I want to get better at dealing with difficult people. And I will never make that resolution again because that year I had so many difficult people come into my life. Whoo, no, that was a big mess, but um, I've definitely got better at dealing with difficult people. And You're stronger challenges. for it. Yeah, celebrate <laughs> Absolutely. That. Yeah. Right, and we are stronger for surviving and for getting through these places where we didn't know what to do or we did the wrong thing. And again, I'm, I'm really impressed that you're turning this into a way to, to help other people. Mm -hmm. So- what can people do when they don't really want to have a conversation, but they know they need to? What oh, are some yeah, suggestions yeah. for how people can have those conflict resolution conversations or the difficult conversations? Yeah, yeah. So let's overlay a story and then I'll walk you through a framework sure. that I basically kind of, you know, drafted for myself to help solve my own problems. <laughs> so uh, at one point I had a technician who was consistently late, like not just like 15 minutes late, like 30 minutes late. And then even after she got here, clocked in, spent another 15 or 20 minutes uh, getting coffee, lollygagging, things like that. And, you know, it was funny because the texts that she was cutting up with were also secretly mad at her for, you know, not, you know, not showing up on time and being unfocused. And so, you know, we try to be nice. And the nice thing is, okay, let's get a team meeting and talk about punctuality. So we're talking to everybody, but we're really talking to her. We'll call her uh -huh. Emily. So we're uh -huh. talking to, trying to get th through to Emily's head to realize, you know what, you got to step up. And so Emily, thankfully, manages to realize out loud, says out loud, oh, yeah, yeah I need to show up sooner and proceeds to be late for the next five days. So now <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, Clearly, whatever verbal uh, rebukes or, or admonishing we're doing, she, it's not getting through to her. It's not showing up as actually showing up. So we're going to write her up. And so I take her aside. We talk through this. And so, yeah, so let me talk through the framework. So the step one is to imagine what a successful conversation can sound like. Okay. You know what? Maybe I just need to talk to her and say, hey, step up your game. You know, you're, we talked about this as a team. You're still late for the next five days. 
hey, show, don't just show up, clock in on the, you know, let me be very super clear with my expectation, clock in by 9.03 a.m. each day, uh-huh. okay? No, no, like airtight, right? Just very clear. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. All right, 9.03, okay, I'll be there. It could be that easy. It might not be that easy. Realistically, would it? But you need to maybe give yourself that possibility. So, hey, you right. know what? Maybe this could go. So that's step one. Step two is to find 10 seconds of courage to set things in motion, which is either, hey, 10 seconds of courage. Can I send that email? Can I pull her in here? Can I send that test? Can I pick up that phone? Because if people think they have to put on the whole superhero costume before they actually go in to put out the fire or rescue the the person in distress, that might take three months. That might take six months. And now the whole building is burned down and now you have nothing left to rescue, right? So you just need to stretch yourself for 10 seconds, like push the boulder over the cliff and then lock the gate behind you. And then that way you can't backtrack to comfort. Right. right, right. So, and I, I have to do this to myself all the time because I grew up in a conflict diverse household being you know, a Taiwanese family and also in chain pharmacy where customer services, hey, just placate them. Right. It's not, oh, like, I don't want to initiate this conversation. It's right. just like, yeah, just just take the path of least resistance. You're like, no, I can't default to comfort. I know I need to get this set this emotion and everything in me that wants to backtrack. I need to stop. So that's the way to kind of engineer out that flaw. Step three, script your critical moves. OK, don't let it rattle around in your head right? Get it out on paper, right? Anticipate what kind of pushback Emily's going to give me, right? It's like, okay, she's going to say, oh, well, traffic's really heavy or, you know, the, you know, Houston's a big city and, you know, uh, like my, my kid's acting up on a more consistent basis now. And uh, like, I, uh, and so, you know, now I need to, I, now that I've anticipated what kind of pushback she's going to give me, now I can, now I can go ahead and prepare some responses for it, right? So now I say things like, okay, you know, from what I can tell, you have three options. One, move closer. Number two, leave earlier. Or three, find another job closer to where you live that is willing to put up with your tardiness, right? Um, because option number four is you're telling me is to simply lower my expectations, which is unacceptable because we're paying you the same amount of money that we're paying the other technicians. So why right. do you get to slack off, right? right. So now I have to go through this talk track. And then not only do I write this stuff down, I rehearse it with, you know, maybe my other pharmacist and say, hey, you know, Emily's going to give me this pushback. Can you help me talk through and, you know, train in a dojo before you fight on the street, right? Let me get some reps in before I yeah. Uh, you know, before the game comes, right? Uh, and then finally, step five, just do it, right? The cost of inaction is greater than the cost of trying and failing. And, you know, I tell people, right, this, the other slogan I give them, choose closure over comfort. I guarantee you, it's going to feel a lot better. At least even if like it blows up, like in your face, you're just like, you know what, if this friendship goes south, at least I know exactly why I, I was upset with them. And yeah. you know what, at least we're being honest, finally. I love that. The whole thing. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love the 10 seconds of courage. I love setting the goal. I love the scripting. I love the just do it. And I absolutely love choosing closure over comfort. Ah, so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to see what I could do with some of those as well. That is awesome. So we think about this process and people who may want to take it easy versus doing the more difficult thing. That always makes me think of millennials because people accuse millennials of always mm-hmm. taking the easy way out and all kinds mm-hmm. of other ridiculous stereotypes. What is your experience about how millennials handle conflict compared to older generations? Yeah, you know, 
I think a lot of it is just the environment that you're in because with older generations, right, we're talking about this. You have no technology, you have no real transportation, right? So where you are is where you are. And if, you know, your spouse or your kid is upset with you, right? Like there's only so far you can run, right? You can't just disconnect and say, nope, I'm going to put my headphones on. And I'm just going to disengage, right? There's no outlets for avoidance, right? Oh, I'm just going to go climb up on the roof and just not talk to you for a night. It's like, no, I mean, if it's winter, that's going to be a long night. Right. right? <laughs> so yeah, from what I've observed when, you know, even when my parents would have conversations behind closed doors, because, you know, mom and dad don't need to tell the kids everything that's going sure. on between them, uh, you know, but they, they, they always hashed it out, right? It's just like, hey, you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. So, you know, let's get back to a point where we can enjoy being around each other again. Let's make, mm -hmm. say our apologies. Let's both own up and realize we both have a hand in the situation. Okay. You know what? Can we, let's, if we're going to trust each other, let's move past this. Right. Um, and then now, right. It's like, I feel like people just can hit eject on a moment's notice. Right. It's like, nope. Awkward phone call. Click. Right. I can block people out of my <laughs> life. Like, that is amazing to me, right? That you can yeah. just say, oh, this uncle is crazy. Like, I hate it when he gets drunk at Christmas parties, at, you know, and then like, starts telling me everything I'm, I should be doing differently. I can block him. Like, right. geez, I can just basically like, you know, cut him out of my life completely, right? Just, you know, the environment allows for escapism. And, uh -huh. you know, and it's just, it's sad because on one, you know, okay, on one hand, it's great that people are, you know, kind of, dabbling in things, sampling things. And so, you know, a resume that a millennial would have where you only have, a, you know, a year or two at each company as you go up, right? That's not a bad thing anymore because people uh -huh. realize, hey, you know what? This, there's versatility here. I can, but you try taking that resume and try to apply for a job like 10, even 10 or 20 years ago, right? And they're going to be like, this person's not stable, right? Right. Even if they left on good terms, like they clearly can't commit to anything. Uh, and so, yeah. So on one hand, you know, uh, we're not, it's pointing the finger doesn't help. It, right. It's more about the opportunity of studying their patterns and saying, okay, what led to this, right? Is yeah. this helpful? If it's not, you know, how can we kind of shape the environment so that we actually have productive, difficult, meaningful conversations? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Love it. Love it. You also have experience in multicultural environments. Can you talk mm -hmm. about how culture is associated with people's willingness to resolve conflict? Yeah, sure. So I'll give another story. This is a fun one. I think pretty much gets the point across. So at one point when I was in college, one of my other college friends, you know, was like, hey, I'm road tripping through your area of town. Um, you know, you want to hang out for a couple of days? Can I stay a couple of nights? And, you know, I run it by my mom because, you know, I'm at home and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll call him Gary. Gary. Yeah, Gary can hang out for a little bit. Sure. So, you know, Gary comes over. He hangs out for a couple of days. My mom is a great, gracious host. You know, we have a good time. Gary leaves. And then all of a sudden my mom's like, can you believe this guy? Like he left hair in the shower. You know, he, he didn't make his bed when he left. Like he, you know, he didn't meet like the Asian standard of like guesting. And so, you know, I, you know, he seems like a nice guy, but I, I, I wouldn't invite him over again. And so this is, this is what we do, right? This is how Asians are raised. It's just like, Hey, don't embarrass the guest. Like don't, you know, if they cross our unspoken hidden standard, you know, um, like, just, just don't tell them, but then just don't let this happen again. Right. 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 And, 
this is, you know, this is, this is the model of conflict that I was taught, right? Hey, if people hurt you, just keep your head down, apologize, even if you don't think it's fair. And then just hopefully you get over it and just keep working silently behind the scenes. And eventually, you know, the best revenge is living well. And right. it's like, uh, you know, yeah. and then so, <laughs> and then, so I step into a leadership role, right. Where people, I, you know, well, I don't want to embarrass them, even though I'm uh -huh. upset with them about their punctuality or their sloppiness. And you realize you're just like, I can't, I can't even focus because I'm too resentful. And then right. they're like, Jerry, you're the boss. If you're unhappy with them, fire them. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to put them on the streets. It's just like, no, like this isn't going to work. Right, right. Like find a way to either, you know, either tell them what they need to do to keep the job or find someone who will do the job the way you want them to. Like you are in control of the situation as the boss, right? You're in control of the situation at the host, right? I could, what if we did this a little differently, right? And we said, hey, Gary, you know, thanks for coming by. Just so you know, right? Uh, you know, it's an Asian household. And so to keep things clean, clean, please be sure to take your shoes off at the door, but right? don't wear your shoes inside. Um, you know, our expectation, uh, the, what we believe is common courtesy, you know, we don't want to put any extra strain on the host. So, uh, you know, when we stay over at other people's places, we make sure that the bathroom is, you know, intact, like either we leave it the way we found it or better, right? Same thing goes to the bedroom, always make your bed, you know, and again, like, you're our friend and we're trying to, in, you know, in honoring our relationship, we want to be honest with you about what we expect of our guests here. And uh -huh. we think this is fair and courteous. And, you know, we hope that you will honor this. If you don't, Hey, you know what? Uh, we don't know why we may not know why we'll give you the benefit of the doubt maybe once. And, you know, uh, we, you know, anyone who ignores our feedback, you know, shouldn't expect to stay here anymore. Like after that. Right. Right. Um, little bit of uncomfortable right yeah. at the beginning but you know they may or may not like that but even so you're just kind of like hey look this is what we expect here are the consequences if those expectations are not met we hope we're going to trust that you're going to meet them and honor them because you understand why we have these expectations in place and right. that's it right we want yeah. to be your friend this is how to stay on good terms that's it right. end of story and yeah. they know that way yeah. they know what the expectation yeah, is yeah. gary is probably like I thought that went well. What happened? You never invited exactly, me back. Right? Yeah, exactly. What am I going to go over again? You're just like, yeah, about that, Gary. Right. Don't. <laughs> wow. That, oh, that's beautiful. I do want to ask where some people who like, so this is about me. This isn't yeah, about sure. some people. Yeah, no. Often get feedback when you have difficult conversations that you're being too direct. Like when people okay. are uncomfortable, mm -hmm. when you name things, when you're a truth teller, when you say it like it is, is that is it possible to be too direct? What do you do when you get that kind of feedback? What should I do when I get that kind of feedback? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> like, I think about what Brene Brown said. The immediate thing is it's like Brene Brown and other conflict people will say, clear is kind, unclear is unkind, uh -huh. right? Because if like, you're, oh, you're too direct. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? Because if you are talking about, if you need me to detail exactly what is making me upset, I'm not sure how I can be too direct about this, right? right. Well, you're just being vague. It's like, okay, no, I'm being direct. <laughs> you, know? right. you show up late every day, right? Oh, that's too direct. No, <laughs> if you want, if you want, I mean, cause I, I'm happy to talk about, you know, how do you use, how do you make sure you use finesse instead of force when things like this? So let's take two situations where I'll do this, right? Uh, so one, one, one moment I had when I was serving as a church class director, my second day on the job, I found out that a newer guy was sexually harassing women in the class. 
and they just basically said, Jerry, you got to handle it. You're director. And I'm just kind of like, you didn't give me a manual. (laughs) (laughs) Run toward the gunfire. Just handle it. Just follow this grenade. Okay. Um, And so I, we'll call him Nick. You know, I, we handle this one of two ways. People are saying you're sexually harassing them. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Right now it's defenses. I don't know what they're talking about, Jerry. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. It's like, and what I ended up doing, because I'm thinking on my feet here, right? Because I'm still not got my framework down. And I'm just like, okay, how do in the world do I convince this guy that he needs to take action? Because even if what they're saying is ends up being false, like he still needs to do something about this, right? Right. And right. so basically, like one suggestion for you or for anyone in this position, right? Position yourself as the guide, right? Uh-huh. Now, instead of being like, Nick, like head on, right? We got to deal with this. Instead, it's like, hey, Nick, I'm looking at things from your perspective, right? So from what I can tell, there's three possibilities. Number one, you're right and they are wrong, which means that this is a misunderstanding. And you know, all you need to do then is go clear it up, figure out exactly what offended them, apologize, don't do it again, we're good, right? Option number two, they are right and you are wrong, which means that you are lying to me and you need to go apologize for what you've done and it will not happen again. And we're gonna keep a close eye on you. Because, you know, we, we're not here to take away from your desire to be a part of a community, things like that. And there are some very specific boundaries you're going to have to honor going forward. Sure. Yep. Option number three, they insist they are right. And you insist you're right, which means now it's their word against yours. And then I have to ask you to leave because I've known them longer than I've known you. What's it going to be, Nick? And then now Nick's like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I need to go straighten that out. Right. And so yeah. now it's not me being direct with them being like, Hey man, like yeah. we're the smoke, there's fire. And we got to, you know, you've been busted. Oh, yeah. you know, even if I'm right, even if I'm justified, that's not going to get any kind of productive action out of Nick. Right? right. But if I tell him, Hey, look, Nick, I'm as director, I need to address this. I am not privy to the situation, but as director, I'm looking out for everybody, whether they're familiar or new, I'm yeah. looking out for you, man. Hey, look, like if this evidence is true, you got to handle it, right? Right. Either you clean up exactly what the misunderstanding was, or you apologize for, you know, offensive behavior, but you can't stay still because if all you're going to do is deny, um, you know, uh, this is not your home turf, you you will have to leave. Right. Excellent. So, oh my gosh, Jerry, this has been a fabulous conversation. I have really enjoyed our time together. When sure. people want to reach out to you to ask mm-hmm. you about adapting leaders or conflict resolution, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the best place is, yeah, check out the website, www.adaptingleaders.com. You got a free uh, guide you can download to you know, go through the framework for handling hard conversations. You can schedule a complimentary 30-minute call, you know, tell me what you're working on. Or check out the free blog, which uh, has summaries of useful and interesting leadership books. And, you know, whatever resources uh, you can choose, whether you want a formal coaching package and something more personalized or for yourself or your organization, great. But if, you know, you're a student on a budget, hey, you know what, there's something for everybody. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thanks again, Jerry Fu, founder of Adapting Leaders, and he focuses wonderfully, I might add, on conflict resolution coaching. Thanks so much for joining Millennial Wisdom today. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Absolutely. And thank you listeners for joining. Thanks for working with us through another episode of Millennial Wisdom and check us out at leadwithwisdom.com and check out our Millennials Guides at millennialsguides.com. Thanks. 
You've been listening to Millennial Wisdom, where we talk to you about your life, journey, and your insights of the world around you with host Dr. Jennifer Wisdom. To learn more about the work Dr. Jennifer Wisdom does, please visit leadwithwisdom.com. Millennial Wisdom is sponsored by the Millennials Guide series. You can pick up your copy wherever books are sold or visit Amazon or millennialguides.com.